This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the second hour of the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. We're talking about relationships and sex and sexual desire and menopause and all of those things that can impact your relationship. Well, one thing that may impact your relationship is not dealing with the little things. I don't mean that. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk. I wanted to read a an email that I received recently from a listener. Hi, Maureen. I listen to every show. Thank you so much. Rarely get the chance to listen live, however, so I download it for free on iTunes. Did you know that this show can be downloaded for free on iTunes? So if you can't listen on Sunday night between 8 and 10 p.m., you can always go to iTunes, Maureen McGrath, Sunday Night Sex Show, and I will pop up. Um, So thanks so much to everybody for listening, and I want to get back to this email. So dear Maureen, I believe the story is relevant to your show, and you've probably heard similar stories. I think I have. I was the unfortunate victim, okay, an unwilling participant in a 12-year sexless marriage during the best years of my sexual vitality, age 20 to 32. We had a child together. She wanted more children. She became a divorce lawyer during our marriage. Turned out bad for me. No kidding. I was the stay-at-home dad. I loved my child, but one was enough for my wife at the time. For us guys, child-rearing is not our strong suit. Bottom line, she wanted more children. I wanted to pursue my career. Another child request that went unanswered for me meant no birth control, which meant no sex, which meant the ultimate demise of our relationship. After one decade of masturbation, I finally left my wife. I do not think that I'm alone in this circumstance. I remarried at the age of 40 to a woman seven years my senior. Life was great. We had sex two to three times a week. Great, yeah. I am now 51. She is 58. Then hysterectomy. Then ovarian cyst. Sex dried up to two to three times per month, and sex that used to be desirable and consensual became unsatisfactorily perceived as obligatory. That, to me, although obviously always appreciated, seemed barely consensual and somewhat of a libido killer. My wife is Chinese. Not sure if that's relevant. I feel that she is more reasonable and logical as opposed to sensual and romantic. I am resolved to accept that. I actually think she might be Vulcan. I've tried to follow all of your advice, Maureen. Womanizer, gynotroph, we vibe. I'm trying to encourage the Mona Lisa touch. No luck so far. We discussed our sex life with our doctor last week, and he prescribed sex twice a week. Fist pump. Parentheses. All of a sudden, he became my favorite doctor, and my wife is now better attempting to follow the prescription. This might be too much for one of your monologues. Feel free to break it up and use the bits and pieces. No way. It's I'm all in. You got to go all in or nothing. A couple of things I want to address here. One thing that just struck me that is so funny. I had this Chinese woman say to me one time in my clinical practice when I t- asked her if she was sexually active. She said, I'm Chinese. None of us like sex. <laughs> that is not true. You cannot believe one woman. That myth was dispelled by another Chinese woman who came into my clinical practice. So no, that's not relevant. Um, the other thing is, one thing I'm so disappointed, I'm so grateful that you have listened to me, the womanizer, the gynotroph, the wee vibe, and thank you. I don't know if you've read my book. I don't know if you've gone to my website. I don't know if you've read my blog. And I, you certainly did not mention that I said, I, I say all the time, take a page from Nike's book, just do it. 
But you know what? Your wife may not have been able to do it. And, you know, your doctor, with all due respect, if he's just saying just do it without uh, treatment, perhaps of vaginal dryness, which is very common at the age of 58, it may take longer for her to experience orgasm. Then, but but I see you did take my advice in terms of using Gynotroph, which is a personal moisturizer. So perhaps she does have vaginal dryness, and so doing it is going to help if her vaginal tissues are moist. Estrogen is the hormone regulator of the vagina. It provides lubrication. It supports sexual arousal, excitement. It helps to, for you, a woman, to experience orgasm. So it's very important. And as I say, it's just as important to moisturize your vagina as it is your face. So it's also important for a woman to feel good all under, which I've prescribed as well. So get out there and get the lingerie, my friend. Um, That's, I'm talking to you, Dan in distress, Uh, Dan. Uh, So buy some beautiful lingerie, not red, not tacky, beautiful lingerie that makes her feel happy you know, just happy and good about herself. And and you know what? You got to wear, you got to feel good all under every single day, okay? This is not just for the bedroom. This is for when you get dressed and go to work. It is beautiful bras, lacy bras, gorgeous corsets, uh, G-strings, you know, whatever makes you feel feminine, whatever makes you feel sexy, whatever makes you feel attractive, sensual, sexual, that's the type of underwear that you should be wearing and you should know that and and feel that as the day goes on and and thinking if you have lunch with your partner or if if you've just met somebody knowing that you feel good all under is actually going to increase your sexual arousal and desire not to mention pumps not to mention dressing up in the bedroom not to mention role playing there are so many things but a woman has to get on board and get past issues that she may be having during the perimenopausal years and the menopausal years. And she might come to Hot Flash in the City November 1st at the Inlet Theater in Port Moody because we're going to be talking about a lot of this. And you know what? A lot of women say to me when I give these educational events, they'll say, you know what? Talking about sex, thinking about sex, it is arousing. And I'm going to go home and have sex with my husband. So um, just saying, just saying. But uh, thank you so much for your email. I really appreciate it. I appreciate that, Dan, in distress. And uh, and to be quite honest, a lot of issues within your relationship, um, you know, they sound like little things, and but they build up to big things. And that is so common in a relationship. And so we know that all couples argue and certainly bedroom issues are can turn into hot issues and not hot sex, which is the problem. Happy couples argue well. Unhappy couples argue unwell. So the happy couples will have strategies. And you know what? It's rare, but you'll have strategies. It depends really on the type of family in which you grew up. If you saw your parents discussing issues, dealing with them, managing them, feeling connected after they had gone through them and and dealt with them, then you may have learned that, that that's important to treat each other with respect and process your feelings so they don't bottle up. And we know from Dr. John Gottman's research that both partners in a relationship are emotionally available only 9% of the time. That means 91% of the time your relationship is ripe for miscommunication, and that can lead to so many problems. It you have to communicate. It is so important. And the difference between happy couples and unhappy couples is not that happy couples don't make mistakes. We're human. We all make mistakes. We all hurt our partner's feelings. 
the happy couples put the problem on the table, they deal with it, they work it through, they listen, and they do it early, and they do it often. I suggest that in order to heal your wounds, you need to deal with your unresolved conflict. Otherwise, it's going to linger. It's going to be like an infection that doesn't heal. It's going to grow and fester. It's going to lead to a more acrimonious, antagonistic relationship. And regardless of your role in the argument, you need to hear and appreciate your partner's point of view. That is why you need to listen. Listen to what your partner is saying. It's probably not all that bad. Also, treat your partner with respect when you talk to them about the little disagreements that you might have that can have the potential to turn into a big, giant fight. And, you know, makeup sex loses its appeal after so many arguments and fights. Things that can begin innocently enough can turn into major issues. So that's what you want to deal with your uh, conflict and don't leave it unresolved. You want to go down the middle, maybe take the PACT approach, which is a psychobiological approach to couple therapy. And this is that going down the middle. That's taking that middle lane. That's saying, I agree to disagree perhaps and moving on. But hearing the other person or saying to them, I hear you. I understand that. I am sorry. Only if you are truly sorry, that can go a long way. We have this subconscious survival system in our brains that is constantly evaluating and and reevaluating how secure we feel with our partner. We want to know that we matter to our partner. I am Maureen McGrath. Do you matter to your partner? And you're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Hope all is well in your life and your love. Tonight, uh, I got an email that, uh, you know, I got a bit of an indication here that things are not so going so well for Dan. Dear Maureen, to my shock and horror, I found my wife in our bedroom one morning at 10 a.m. when I returned to the house after leaving for work and obviously surprised her. I came home to fetch my briefcase. She was scantily clad in our bed and masturbating to her computer. A glass of wine was on the night table. She had no explanation, slammed the computer, and refused to talk to me. But from what I can gather, there was another person on the computer. You think? From my investigation, but more so that a light went on, I've noticed my wife is spending a lot more money these days, which is not typical for her. She's buying new clothes, lingerie, stuff for the house, and our kids. Is my wife cheating on me? What do you think? Dan, in distress. Yes, I I can certainly understand, Dan, why you're in distress. It would be absolutely shocking uh, to come home to that, especially at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Wine on the table. Of course, you, you think, well, women drinking, that's your automatic thing. And a lot of women, especially women who work mostly in the home, Uh, They actually are at greater risk, especially if they're bored um, with their children or their lives. Uh, They tend to turn to the bottle, and they certainly can. So you might think that. But there's a couple of other things that raise a bit of an eyebrow for me. And I am curious. Well, first of all, you've asked me if I thought this was cheating. I can't answer that. 
because I'm not in your relationship. And it's, is it an agreement that you've had? What is considered? This is why these conversations are important to have early on so they don't hit crisis level. What do you consider cheating? The two of you need to have had this conversation. So is, is being online, um, you know, masturbating to somebody else, uh, is that uh, cheating? Is that something you would have even thought of? And I don't actually think cheating is the issue here. I think the it's more the behavior um, of what is going on. And, and I, I may scare you, Dan, into what I think might possibly be going on. This is just something for you to rule out. It's a bit of a differential diagnosis for you. But it is something that's happening more and more. I don't know if there have been financial issues in your marriage, in your relationship, if perhaps you've gone from two incomes down to one, and that changes things financially. And people have to manage finances well, and they struggle to do that at times. And uh, so people don't know how to do that, how to manage their finances. And so they resort to other activities that they think are benign, that think won't, well, they won't get caught. Uh, she never expected you to return after you had left for work. And that's a rare occurrence. Um, but you know what? These things, I, I believe everything in life is meant to be and meant to happen. Uh, you're, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. I don't know if you'd had issues that you were denying um, yourself, But what this reminds me of, especially because of the wine at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, unless your wife has substance use issues, but this reminds me of a particular type of sex work that we're seeing these days, and it's called camming. And it's not like any other kind of sex work. What it is, it's live, interactive, and relationship-based sex work. And it's changing sex on the Internet. And, and so... You know, oftentimes women will charge exorbitant amounts of money, much more than they would make uh, at uh, the 30% less that we're getting in every other job where we work with men. (laughs) Um, Small dig there. No, I'm not bitter. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, So these women are charging three, four hundred dollars an hour. And oftentimes they go from just talking to somebody online to explicit behavior that which you describe and so they may uh, they may just speak they may um, remove clothing they may do strip teases they may um, they may do they may masturbate they may talk dirty if you will to people who have paid via these tokens and so money isn't exchanged but it's a token representative of, of real cash uh, they will create topics that aren't sexual at all as well because some people just want intimacy. So there's some topics like taking off your dress, removing your clothing, um, and sometimes even just sipping wine in a very erotic fashion can be something that is purchased online, uh, if you will. So these viewers are typically considered friends, but that doesn't mean that your wife isn't cheating on you. And I don't actually think cheating is the right word either. Um, Some of these friends, they're all just happy to hang out. It's a bit of a lonely hearts club. Some people just want to hear people talk. They just want to listen to their voice. They just find their voice a turn on or erotic or soothing. And so they want to just listen to that and hear that. Many of these people are are very lonely and maybe don't have anybody to talk to. They want to reminisce about stories or they want to hear about her life, the the person who is doing the camming. 
And so they they basically come into a room on the internet, the the cameras room. And you basically it doesn't take much. And I and I you might recall there was a woman, I think it was in California, no, maybe Oregon, where she set up her laptop inside of a, a drive-through coffee stand, uh, an espresso stand. And it's a bit of a novelty to people the world over. And people started flooding um, into her room, if you will. But, you know, of course, as things happen, people glom onto this and they realize, oh, we can't do this. We're going to set up some legislation around this. And they did. Um, so this was probably the beginning of camming, uh, to my, to the best of my knowledge, anyway. Um, so people have on-screen names. There's a multitude of these people. And the for some women, you know, sex is power. And it's where they make the most money. And, and so... Do you sell your soul for the most money? That's the question. Is this something that um, is something off limits in your relationship? Is there, are there financial problems? Is there a reason that she is doing this? Is there anxiety? Is there depression? Uh, is this that, um, you know, this is something that she didn't ever want you to find out, but it was a way to deal with your financial issues? Are you stressed? Are you treating... Um, uh, you know, are you stressed? Is she? Are you treating her terribly that she's finding relief in something like camming? Um, many people, uh, you know, may may have a partner who is unwell, uh, who is ill, and this is a way for them to meet their sexual and biological needs. Uh, so people get very close online. People actually, even through sexting, you can get to know somebody. You can see that they have a sense of humor. You can see certain things about their personality. Um, so this is something that is happening out there. This is something that you need to be aware of. This is a type of intimacy and fondness that, you know, it's akin to long-term relationships. This is what happens to people who are living on either side of the country. This is often how they communicate. But these uh, connections grow out of a form of sex work. So I would say this is a form of sex work for your wife. That's probably the best way to describe it. And there's an emotional investment, uh, and that's where the appeal of this comes in. So it's very, very different from any type of porn, even live porn, if you will. It's more intimate. People feel like they get to know the person on the other end of the computer so much better and more intimately, but sometimes people cam to raise money for university, a move, uh, financial problems that they're having, medical illness. There are so many reasons that uh, people do this. Sex work, of course, is the oldest profession, and it is a profession, and it is real work, Uh, but this is something that may be a malignancy in your relationship. Obviously, you're very distressed by this, Dan, but it is not something you can't deal with. In fact, it is something that you to deal with. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here, hosting this program for you. It's always my pleasure to be here with you, and so glad you're here with me. We're talking about relationships and predictors of divorce, and the number one thing is contempt uh, that will is a, an over 90% accuracy, according to Dr. John Gottman, a sex researcher, 
um, as to a predictor of your divorce. So uh, we reviewed contempt. It's destructive. It's the most destructive. It conveys a sense of I am better than you. It, um, it re- erodes that bond that a couple holds so dear if they ever did. And it's absolutely impossible to build a connection or continue a connection when your relationship is deprived of, disp- of respect or has a paucity of respect or is extremely disrespectful. You might be extremely disappointed repeatedly about things that your partner says to you. And it may be one-sided. So one partner may be extremely uh, angry and hostile and not listen, or it can be two. And it also, contempt shows up in this dismissiveness as well. You've heard the word, you've said it, you didn't like that you said it, it never feels good, but when somebody comes at you with something, and I mean it, your partner comes at you, and you give that response, whatever, right? It is not helpful. And it really shows that a lack of affection toward the partner. I had a couple in my practice like that, and they were communicating together, and she was treating him terribly. And he was kind of had this whatever attitude because he felt his issues were, he, he couldn't speak up for himself. He had no voice. His issues were being ignored by her. There is an antidote of course, to contempt. And it's, you know, the the part of the fact that contempt is a problem is that the behaviors never change over time. But you can reverse that pattern of contempt in your relationship before it's too late. But it's too late, baby, now it's too late. You don't want it to be too late. (laughs) Anyway, The voice is not quite back yet. I want you to know that. But you can get your voice back in your relationship. So you need to, because you've probably forgotten anything good about your partner when you are stressed and you have issues that carry on and you're, you, you just can't, when you are enraged and raging at somebody and losing it, you probably can't think of one nice thing about them. So the antidote to this contempt is, is building fondness and admiration. So we have to gain that back. And so the way to do that is to reflect upon your past. What was your first impression of one another? Was it love at first sight? If the relationship is in a crisis or at a critical point, which is really honestly what I see in my practice, and I, and I mostly, and I really believe that people need to come sooner uh, not really. You know what I mean. Anyway, they need to arrive at the clinical practice of a sex therapist <laughs> earlier than than they are because it gets to a point where you can't even think about something good. So if you're in a crisis situation, you're unlikely to elicit much praise by talking about the current state of your marital affairs. So you want to talk about the happy events of the past the birth of a child, perhaps the wedding, perhaps a trip you took, perhaps a house you built together that you did well, that you succeeded at, Uh, times when you enjoyed romantic dinners every Friday night, did a date night or something. You have to revive your fondness and admiration for one another. 
And this way, this allows you the ability to work together as a team. And so you can resolve your conflicts. You also have to, uh, you need to be mindful and say, this is something that I want to do. And if I'm going to do this, then I have to do that. And so something else that I see a lot in my clinical practice is men and women equally having extramarital affairs, and, but, but still married. Uh, well, of course, if they're having extramarital affairs, they are married. I did mention that I'm blonde. Okay, every now and again, I get it wrong. But we're not perfect, are we? <laughs> now you're never going to believe I'm perfect. But anyway, um, so these clients of mine, shall I say, they don't want to leave their marriage often. Some do, and some look for ways to be supported in their way out. But others, um, others, and I, and I actually had an email from somebody who said, uh, do you actually work to, uh, for people to remain together? I mean, I think every, <laughs> I don't think that you, you have a couple in your clinical practice and you're like, he's cute, let's try and, uh, <laughs> that'd be a good movie. Yeah, let's try and split them up, you know? I have somebody I could fix you up with. No. Of course, the goal is to, to heal the relationship, the primary relationship. So I have a number of patients in my clinical practice who are involved in extramarital affairs. They've been going on for, you know, three months, three years, a year and a half. None of this group has been found out, the ones that I'm referring to. So their partners do not know, which is not uncommon and, and, and kind of nice at this stage. So, but they're not sure because of everything else that's going on in their life whether it be the fact that they are in a school where there's going to be judgment passed down to them. And I get a lot of Catholic people coming to me because I'm Irish Catholic, and so I get it. And, and this whole judgment thing uh, that goes on. So they might be afraid of the neighbors passing judgment. But you know what? They don't know what's going on behind the neighbor's door either. Uh, they, they don't want to necessarily leave the marriage because it means actually splitting the assets you know, you've gone from a $3 million home to perhaps, uh, you know, you're only going to be able to afford a million dollars. <laughs> and soon there aren't going to be homes in this city that are a million dollars. Um, but uh, so they don't want to, their kids, the impact on their children, uh, the impact on their in-laws. What are people going to think? What about their colleagues? You know, kind of a thing. So they don't want to be found out. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons that they want to keep that relationship going. And so one thing I have to say to them is... You need to end it with the person with whom you're having an affair. And they're like, really? <laughs> okay. Well, that's if you want to try to make your marriage work, which is what you told me you wanted to do when you came in here. So that's step one. Because as I explained to them, anything outside of, okay, you have, you have your, your home, right? Everybody has their home and, you know, God, God willing, and if they're fortunate and lucky and... Um, but they have the relationship in their home and and within that are you know there there is so much causation for um, for troubles for problems it's how we you know how we communicate our communication styles how we finances how we deal with finances how we manage them or, or lack thereof which is more often the case it's um, it's, you know, it's dealing with kids and dealing with mortgages and dealing with renovations and, and dealing with cooking and who's going to do the cleaning. And, you know, somebody's got the lion's share of the housework and someone else doesn't. Somebody mostly does the kids. 
working in and outside of the home. There's fatigue. There's exhaustion. There's there's so many reasons um, because very few couples and families are able to sort of you know um, make it this you know perfect scenario where it's all going along. And if that happens, then eventually it it combusts. So there, there's always going to be, but just a, the level of you know, it's the degree of disarray that your relationship and your family are in. So it can be very stressful to go home to boredom, uh, especially in the bedroom. It can be very stressful to go home to, oh, you know, the kids are, you know, uh, wreaking havoc on our home. There's mayhem. It's always chaotic. It's crazy here. People don't like that. Um, there, You may be involved with somebody who's drinking or uh, using other substances. So it can be very stressful. So... Uh, you look outside to the relationship, or, or some people do, instead of fixing what's in what's going on in the relationship. So it's so easy to just go outside and find somebody that's exciting, not necessarily as attractive as your own partner, but um, you might. It, it, it doesn't matter because it, it it really does not matter because it's a, it's about sexual attraction. So you can't predict who you're going to be attracted to, even though people have all these little tick boxes and who they're going to love. But anyway, so they go outside of the relationship. It's covert. It's exciting. You're meeting in obscure places. You're having sex now in places that you have not had sex in with your partner in a decade, okay, or more, <laughs> uh, if you did, uh, because a lot of people marry for many different reasons. So... Um, it's exciting. It's fantastic. And so you go along and you're like, I can do this. I, we can do this. I can be married and I can have this affair. And, and you know, denial is a drug and a lot of the partners don't even realize that, um, that they, they, they may even have signs that their partner is having an extramarital affair. They may have, you know, found some sex messages from somebody and they may think it's over when it's not. Uh, and they may have excused those sex messages initially. And, and so then they may... Um, you know, think they, cause they don't want trouble. We want to keep it like beach balls under the Atlantic ocean. Okay. And that is so hard to do because eventually it will, it will come out. It will infect your relationship. So you want to actually realize that this is what is contributing to some of the problems in my marriage. This is the salve for my marriage, for my marital problems is I can go outside of it. I can deal with anything that's going on because it's so exciting outside of the relationship. Uh, so you've got to realize that, and that's why you have to, you have to end that relationship. Number one, you have to start to look at your partner through rose-colored glasses. You know, and I have to say, when you um, when you stop the relationship outside of your marriage, if you're involved like that, uh, you need to grieve. You need to grieve that relationship, um, and and take that time. Uh, you know, to reflect and to think about it and to think why why you've done that. If that's the choice you want to go, there are people who do want to leave their relationship. And you know what? Many good reasons. Addiction is one of them. Abuse is another. And so, but still, they still are, have complicated thoughts and, and it's because it's very complex. How did I get here? This went against my values. I never dreamed I would be this type of a person because society places so much judgment and of course, we have this monogamous approach to relationships, which that's another show. Uh, is monogamy right for you or anybody for that matter, given all of the infidelity that occurs and how betrayal is so uh, heart-wrenching and, and so hurtful for people? And, and can you ever trust again? And marriage has, has changed so much and has morphed in, into so many different ways. But um, that infidelity out, outlasts is, is far more tenacious than 
than any marriage can be. That seems to continue along um, with a, a marriage, and it's been here since the beginning of time or the beginning of marriages. Um, so those are that's something you definitely have to do is to, or you might want to think about doing, <laughs> is to start thinking about the positive things about your relationship. Get back to your primary relationship. Get back to your marriage. Take take a step back. Take a look. What is it that I love about this person? Why did I get involved in this in this? Did I just say in this prison? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean that. Oops. Why did I get involved in this prison? Ask yourself that question. If you feel like you're imprisoned, I was actually thinking of the word criticism. So another horseman of the uh, divorce apocalypse is, or the marriage apocalypse is criticism. So criticizing your partner is very different than offering feedback or voicing a complaint. Of course, we could do a whole program on criticism because really, who likes to be criticized? But that'll have to come at another time because uh, we're out of time. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program as I do live every Sunday night on CKNW, News Talk 980. And uh, we're in the final strokes of the program, the very final strokes. Hopefully you're not in the final strokes of your relationship or in your uh, time with your lover. You want to continue that as long as you possibly can. But one thing that gets in the way, one of those other apocalyptic horsemen is criticism. And so we all can find fault with somebody else. And there's a big difference between criticism and a complaint or critiquing somebody. Criticism attacks the character of a person. You never want to go out for dinner. You are so cheap. You are just such an awful person. Versus, it's been a while, honey, since we've been out for dinner. And I would like the time for you and I to sit down and and perhaps talk about our finances. Versus, you are so cheap. You're the cheapest person on this block. And in fact, our neighbors make so much more money. You are a loser. You cannot even clean up this house, never mind get a job and work outside of the home, that is attacking the person's character. But a critique or a complaint is, you know, I wasn't happy with how I came home after work and you were meant to have the dinner and the dinner wasn't on the table till nine and, and it's tiring and the kids have to go to bed. That's a complaint. That's a critique. But it's not a, you are the worst person in the world. And so criticizing your partner or criticism is not about a specific issue. It has to do with attacking that partner's character. And you know what? That leads to contempt. And you have to really think about that and also put yourself in your partner's shoes. How would you like it if somebody said, you never want to do this? Say you're in a sexless marriage, and I see a lot of couples in a sexless marriage. I hear from a lot of them in sexless marriages. And so if somebody may be experiencing low sexual desire for whatever reason, low testosterone, body image, financial issues, whatever, instead of talking about that little problem, that complaint, that critique, it's you never want to have sex with me and you are just not even a sexual person and and I'm so tired of you making up excuses and I think they're lies and you're just lying to me and you're just a liar and, and people can get all upset about, you know, not having sex in their relationship or in their marriage instead of dealing with it early on with a complaint or a criticism. So honestly, a month is too long unless there's a medical condition, unless there's some extenuating circumstance. A month is too long for a couple to go without sex. To be frank, 
one week is too long, but I'll give you two weeks, okay? Because, you know, life happens. But that's too long. You cannot look at your sex life in April and then look at it again in July. You cannot look at your finances in April and then again in July because things are going to blow up, okay? And not in a good way. Uh, So (laughs) did I just sound like Donald Trump there? I think I did. I'm trying to make my point. So a complaint, a critique is fine in a loving manner early on so that these things don't fester and build up and then it leads to contempt. You don't ever want criticism to happen because it is a pathway, a segue to contempt. And that is one of the apocalyptic horsemen that determines divorce or an unhappy marriage because a lot of people are staying in their marriages today. And one of the things is even in infidelity, and you might get so angry about a lack of sex that you may go out and seek it elsewhere. But you know what? People are staying in marriages where people have cheated, and that's the new shame. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next week on the program because we are fresh out of time. Hopefully I've given you a little bit of the 411 on uh, relationships and, and sex and your health because that is what this program is about. It is always my pleasure to have you here with me. I love doing this show. I'm not sure if you can tell that or not, um, but I do absolutely love it. I love sharing information, understanding the issues, and I certainly get a lot of that from you. So feel free to go to my website. You can go to backtothebedroom.ca and fill out the contact form and, and reach me. I have a book, Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I sell the only fabulous, the, the most fabulous sex toy in the world, which is the Womanizer. That's available on my website as well. Most women's comments are, it's worth every penny. And believe me, it is. If you're alone, if you're having issues in your relationship, if you have health issues, if you're having issues sleeping, you know, the womanizer is your best friend, let me tell you. Uh, Also, I want to mention Hot Flash in the City happening in Port Moody at the Inlet Theater on November 1st. Uh, And it is at 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. There's a movie about menopause. There's lots of myths around estrogen these days. And, and of course, at midlife, at perimenopause and menopause, which is what we're going to be talking about, we wonder about estrogen, sexual desire, wonder about vaginal dryness, painful sex. It impacts our relationships. So we have lots of... Uh, the tickets are selling fast, believe you me. So you want to get out there because we're going to have cocktails. It's the ultimate ladies' night out. We have lots of people who are going to be there supporting this initiative to educate women at midlife because it's such an important time. And it'll it'll give you the tools to actually navigate the healthcare system or to be able to speak to your doctor about those health issues that you might be having at that time and also may be able to help you navigate uh, this time of life much better. Hot Flash in the City happening on November 1st at Inlet Theatre in Port Moody. Tickets at backtothebedroom.ca or on Eventbrite, eventbrite slash portmoody slash hotflash. So hope to see you there. Okay, so lovely to be here with you this evening. I love every minute of it and I love hearing from you. So feel free to reach out backtothebedroom.ca on Twitter at back the number two, the bedroom. Remember when you stumble on this gravel road of life. Make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.